I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. EastNets works to help ensure trust at some 800 financial institutions around the world. And it's been doing so for more than 35 years, assisting its partners to manage risk through screening, monitoring, analysis, and reporting. I'm joined by Atala Nijme, Principal Product Manager at EastNets, who begins by relating first-hand experience of attempted cyber fraud. But first, do you want to access the multi-billion dollar fintech opportunity in the Middle East or India? If the answer is yes, then join the CEDA IBSI Fintech Lab and fast-track your journey of market expansion with us. As a Fintech Lab member, you'll have access to skilled mentors and have the opportunity to learn, network, and collaborate with like-minded individuals, building your knowledge base, skills, and connections. Visit www.cedaribsifintechlab.com. Now, back to our conversation with Atala Nijme, Principal Product Manager at EastNets. I would start with something that I personally experienced, just to, to put more context before we go into a definition for cyber-enabled fraud. So past week, uh, during the past week, I received uh, a call from someone imposing or trying to pose themselves as one of the compliance members under one of the central banks. They requested me to, to verify some details about my account, and they mentioned that there was a breach of data. And that particular uh, person requested me to do a transfer of all the available money into my, within my account into a certain account so they can secure them for me. Luckily, I already know this type of scam. So I just took a few moments just to play around with the particular person who was trying to pull that scam over me. But uh, certainly I was about to be a victim of what we call authorized push payment, right? So uh, uh, if, we, if we just uh, look into the, the, the nature of uh, cyber-enabled uh, fraud, I would say it is not more uh, than the conventional fraud, but empowered by technology. So technology will play a part in what we call cyber-enabled uh, fraud. This is something that has been there for some time and has been classified for, for a long time as security threat. But nowadays, it is also part of the fraud. And I believe the, the numbers would not lie. So when we look into the landscape, just briefly, when we look at the numbers, the numbers explain themselves when we say that, for example, during 2023, there was report, there was like 4 billion cyber attacks recorded, and even the number is a little bit more. Uh, this is almost like 100 attacks per second. This is my brief, I would say, introduction about cyber fraud, cyber-enabled fraud. This is something that is growingly becoming more important, I would say, with the advancement that we are seeing with the technology and the, uh, I would say, the techniques used by fraudsters. Is it inevitable? I suppose it is, but let's hear it from you. Is it inevitable that this kind of fraud is just going to grow? Because what the technology has done is it's, it's handed all of us a great way to use our finances, a great way to manage our finances, but it's also handed great opportunities to potential fraudsters. I, I get your point. So uh, maybe maybe one would answer would question: Is it uh, is it worth it to fight back against uh, uh, this type of fraud, or it's just uh, uh, that it's time to give up and and just uh, don't, don't care about it? I would say that. Uh, Yet, the technology advancements has given the chance for fraudsters to pull more complex types of, uh, I would say, attacks. 
yet the same technology also enabled us to combat uh, such types of fraud with the right, I would say, components within the mix. Definitely, there will always be a way to combat fraud, this type of fraud and other types of fraud, keeping up with the trends that are being observed when it comes to new trends uh, with fraud patterns. What are we talking about here? Is it phishing? Is it malware? Is it social engineering? Is it kind of online scams that you were almost not taken in by, but were almost a victim of yourself that you, you were telling us about earlier? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, actually, we are talking about a combination of all what you mentioned. So it is, uh, for example, social engineering, it is phishing attacks, uh, it is ransomware, uh, malwares that can be pushed into devices like handsets, mobile devices, laptops, uh, and other types of uh, devices that can be used by victims. So it is a combination. And fraudsters might go to a certain extent just to make sure that they can acquire the required information to pull a scam through social engineering. So they can, for example, initiate an attack against a certain institution, acquire the personal information and use that personal information back uh, just to convince victims for which they acquire the details uh, that they are representing certain, for example, institution and pull what, what can again be called an authorized push payment or other types of fraud. So it is a combination of uh, uh, all what was mentioned. There's a job of education to be done here. First of all, there's a job of education to be done from the perspective of the consumer and the customer. We need people to understand what they are getting into and what the risks, potential risks are. But there's also a job of education within institutions, within banks and financial services organisations. Companies like yours have got to be able to provide them with the tools to combat this stuff. When we talk about uh, education, we are talking about part of uh, the larger scope, which is combating the cyber-enabled fraud, right? Customer education and employee education is an integral part of the whole process. So um, we are fighting fraud against different fronts. And with, with each particular stop point that we will be uh, uh, looking at, there are certain risks that we need to cover. Basically, the end client, for example, is the first and might be also the last point of defense when it comes to combating fraud. So similar to the case that I mentioned, I was able, luckily, to stop that particular case before it is even initiated or before it proceeds to be become a case. And uh, this is, the I would say, the ultimate target uh, for, for stopping fraud cases. So building the awareness and continuous education of both institutions, account servicing institutions, employees, as well as their clients is an integral part. And that is complemented as well with the security, I would say, tools, the fraud detection uh, uh, tools that, that can be also added to the mix in order to complete the cycle and achieve what we call a multi-layer approach. So the tools themselves is a great deal of uh, detecting uh, different types of, I would say, fraud um, and patterns as well as the education which, co which complements the whole process as well. And it's only going to get more complicated, of course, because we now have artificial intelligence starting to be developed, to be used in banking and finance, but also starting to be developed and used by the bad actors. What is it that they're doing? What are they using AI for? And what do we need to watch out for? I believe that uh, we are all aware that since the release of uh, uh, ChatGPT, 
there has been like a big exposure against the artificial intelligence generative, uh, uh, I would say, models. And uh, the fraudsters have been aware for some time for that. And I believe that when it comes to using AI within the process of executing fraud or pulling a scam against people, there are many things that, uh, that are available within the arsenal of fraudsters. Like, for example, when we say deep fakes, which is basically targeting to have uh, the manipulation of uh, multimedia, whether we're talking voice, we're talking uh, images or videos. So altering those in order to pose certain details or misrepresent certain multimedia content in a certain way just to convince people or to push people to do certain actions is part of what they are using. As well as, I would say, another example, for instance, um, which is also extremely helping the uh, fraudsters to fish for victims, the use of botnets. Uh, So previously, um, I would say like six, seven years ago, the fraudsters used WhatsApp to contact victims and convince them to share information. Uh, Maybe they are after stealing uh, personal information or other stuff. But uh, nowadays, there are bots that are, that are capable of chatting with people and targeting and filtering down the victim list just to focus on the right quality of people they are looking for, right? So they are looking at the weakest link within the chain and they are targeting the, more, the most vulnerable. And that is something that botnets can help with the, with the empowerment of AI. This is extremely dangerous as well. We touched on the subject and the need for education. What are the other strategies for protection that we can use? Because otherwise it comes, we're coming across as being pretty depressing for people. So let's try and be optimistic. What are the strategies we can use? What are the kind of things that Eastnets and companies like yours are doing to help combat this situation? Primarily, the first step is to keep up with the security updates. So there are many components within the financial financial industry or financial institution, uh, I would say, scope. Those has to be uh, monitored and security updates has to be maintained in a, cert- in, in, in a certain level with updates that are required. Next, we have the regulations, which is basically too frequent nowadays due to the, I would say, the numerous cases that are being reported on weekly or even daily basis. Uh, as we mentioned, um, uh, for the t- statistics for 2023, there were almost 4 billion cyber attacks uh, recorded globally, I-, I would say. So the regulation is more concerned about how to protect, how to govern the whole process, what we are doing to combat fraud, and what institutions and individuals has to add to this process. So keeping up with the regulation is extremely important, and some of those need to have, I would say, an automated solution in order to be able to execute it in a certain efficiency, I would say. So it is efficiency and effectiveness of the controls and the certain regulation and uh, patterns to be detected has to uh, be uh, done through automated solutions. And that basically enables uh, the institution before they rely on the endpoint or the end customer to uh, detect fraud, they can also detect those patterns and protect against those patterns before the customer might even be aware of what is happening. So it is mostly real-time, multi-layered approach and uh, proactive in the sense of keeping up with the new trends and and the detecting things that were not, I would say, configured to do uh, to detect. The message is keep up to date with your protection. This is the the primary thing. 
And that has to be achieved through the process, the software, the tools that are being deployed and implemented. One other thing that is also important because we mentioned the uh, customer education, the education program and how we inform about uh, things, whether we are taking the collaborative approach with other institutions and regulators, just to keep up with the the new, I would say, identified uh, fraud elements that everybody needs to keep an eye on. Or we are talking about informing our end clients about certain patterns that are emerging and they need to be careful with. With the current uh, state, it is not impossible to avoid fraud. It is possible. But we need to be extra careful even when dealing with content and uh, uh, communication that are coming from people that we know because we don't know uh, who exactly is vulnerable for attacks and how the fraudsters would spread their attacks. Atala Nijme, Principal Product Manager at Eastnet's Jordan-based global provider of compliance and payment solutions.